on us. So today, that is this afternoon, we will begin looking into the Shamatha chapter of Kamachamirambuti, as you know. So I'll be giving the oral transmission some commentary to that. There are various practices for which, on the one hand, a motivation is always important, but there are some practices where even if you don't give a whole lot of consideration to the motivation, the practice is going to bound to be good anyway. For example, the cultivation of the four measurables. I mean, it's hard to imagine a really nasty motivation for developing loving-kindness, compassion, and so forth. It's kind of like really built into the practice that this is probably going to turn out well and actually be having a strong impact on your motivation. Yeah, That's kind of what it's all about. But especially when it comes to shamatha, there was a very good reason why on one occasion, during a minor life meeting, His Holiness said, shamatha is not dharma. Let's just rephrase that. Developing attention skills in and of itself is not necessarily virtuous or let alone taking you on a path to liberation. It can just make you a better anything. Bank robber, bank robber, stockbroker, doctor, anything, right? And so really everything hinges here on motivation, the technique, skill of technique, diligence, discipline, all of that, of course, very important. But whether or not this is really leading to a path of eudaimonia, to liberation, to awakening, well, that all depends on motivation. And so I'd like to just give, share just a couple of very, I think, very nice quotes, actually not coming from the Buddhist tradition at all. Uh, the first one from this remarkable man, Francis Bacon, who I would say, as Galileo was the first great scientist of the modern era, Francis Bacon, to my mind, was the first great philosopher of science. He was a jurist. He was he was he was uh, worked in the law in the law in England, but a remarkable thinker, and he was extremely influential, at least for a while, in the formation and the development of the scientific revolution. So, listen up, see what he has to say. Francis Bacon. This is from. Oh, about six, well, early 17th century. He writes, I would address one general admonition to all, that they consider what, what are the true ends of knowledge, and that, that they seek it not either for pleasure of mind, of the mind, or for contention, or for superiority to others, or for profit, or fame, or power, or any of these inferior things, but for the benefit and use of life, and that they perfect and govern it in charity. Charity in the 17th century was the word we translate as loving-kindness. For it was born, it, the pursuit of knowledge, yeah? The tr- yeah, knowledge, for it, knowledge, was born from the lust for power, was born from the lust of power that the angels fell, for it was from the lust of power that the angels fell, from lust of knowledge that man fell, but out of charity there can be no excess, neither did angel or man ever come in danger by it. Quite marvelous, quite marvelous. And this is true for the whole scientific revolution. It is true for the entire contemplative revolution as well. Beginning with shamatha, beginning with ethics. Yeah, beautifully said. The source is here. And then I just turn briefly to the founder of quantum mechanics, one of the greatest scientists in, in, in German history, Max, Max Planck. 
And he writes, interestingly, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing, postulates consciousness. And he made this in a comment in an interview with The Observer in 1931. And finally, this, this point, again from Max Planck. Anyone who has been seriously engaged in scientific work of any kind realizes that over the entrance to the gates of the Temple of Science are written the words, Ye must have faith. <laughs> it is a quality which the scientist cannot dispense with. And that was in, in an essay in 1932. Uh, called Where is Science Going? So, good way to start the day. Eh? So, let's begin our devotions. And I will guide the meditation a little bit. Namo lama deshe dupe ku kunjo sungi ranjin la datan do dup senjin nam janju badu kapsu chi Namo In the Lama who is the embodiment of the Sugatas of the nature of the three jewels I, together with the beings of the six realms, take refuge until our enlightenment. Sangi dupne ni Kangla kandul tinle ki doa doa damchao For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the Lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each being according to their needs and I vow to liberate the world. Dombola <laughs> Yamsin Choki Modubne Pema Jone Shesuta Kodu Kando Mambu Kiki Jesu Datuki Jingil Lapchi Shexu Guru Pema Sidi Hung Hung in the northwest frontier of Odiana, 
in the heart of a lotus sits the one renowned as Padmasambhava, who achieved the wondrous supreme city and is surrounded by a host of Dakinis. Following in your footsteps, I devote myself to practice. Please come forth and bestow your blessings. Guru Pema City Hum. Conclude the practice by settling in the indivisibility of your own body, speech, and mind with that of Guru Rinpoche. Sustaining this pure vision and this sense of sacred identity or divine pride. If you wish to switch positions, please do so now. Rest your awareness in its own pure and transparent nature, pure by nature. And symbolically from the 
pearl of light at your heart, symbolizing this pristine awareness. Like generating a holographic image, you may generate the appearance of your own body, either archetypally in the form of Avalokiteshvara, or simply in your own form, but immaterial, translucent, a field of pure energy, of radiant light. And with the play of your imagination, imagine viewing yourself, your life, from this perspective, the perspective of your own pristine awareness. From this perspective, what do you wish for yourself? What is the highest good, the highest joy, the greatest fulfillment to which you may aspire? Envision your own flourishing. And holding this vision in mind, with every outbreath arouse the aspiration from the depths of your being, may it be so. May I find such fulfillment, such joy, and cultivate its causes. And with every outbreath, as you arouse this aspiration of loving kindness for yourself. Imagine rays of pure white light emanating from this orb at your heart and filling your entire being with this light of purity, light of loving-kindness, and light of joy.
and boldly moving into this realm of possibility, which, as I've said so many times before, is a reality. Imagine here and now experiencing this fruition. Take it as your path. And turn to the second question. In order to realize such fulfillment, what would you love to receive from the world around you? To meet your hedonic needs? To realize your eudaimonic ideals? What would you love to receive from those who are near and far, from your fellow sentient beings and from the enlightened ones? Then with each in-breath arouse the aspiration, this loving-kindness for yourself, that you may indeed receive all that you truly need in order to meet your hedonic needs and to realize your highest aspirations. May it be so. And with each in-breath, 
Imagine such blessings, such service, such help flowing in from all sides in the form of light, from sentient beings, from the enlightened ones, with every breath, reality rising up to meet you. Filling your body, saturating your entire being. And again, letting your imagination play. Imagine truly receiving here and now all that you need in every moment, every day. Turn to the third question. In order to realize such fulfillment clearly, there must be profound and irreversible transformation taking place from within. We can't simply rely upon others or something outside. There is no refuge there, finally. The refuge must be within. So we call again upon the spirit of loving kindness. How would you love to transform? from within, in terms of your way of engaging with the world, your mind, your habits. From what qualities would you love to be free? And what qualities would you love to richly realize and embody? Envision it.
And with each exhalation, arouse the aspiration, may it be so. With each exhalation, imagine again light flowing from your heart, transmuting your entire being, fulfilling your aspiration, becoming here and now the person you would love to become. And finally, in order to bring the greatest possible meaning to your life, envision what would you love to offer to those around you, to those who are near and far in the short term and the long term. What is the greatest good you could offer to the world around you?
with every exhalation arouse the aspiration of loving-kindness, may it be so. Imagine from this inexhaustible source of light at your heart, and flowing out through every pore of your body, imagine light spreading forth in all directions, taking on the forms of all that you'd love to offer to the world, to alleviate the suffering of the world, to bring each, to bring each one to their own utter fulfillment. May it be so with every exhalation. In order to realize all of this and to venture into the practice of Mahamudra, arouse the spirit of awakening, bodhicitta, aspiration to achieve perfect enlightenment for the sake of all sentient beings. This is the aspiring bodhicitta, and then the engaging bodhicitta is to let this motivation be your underlying motivation for the practice itself, the motivation for today's practice, for the rest of your practice until you are perfectly awake. this expression of relative bodhicitta, and to your closest approximation, rest in ultimate bodhicitta.
your own pristine awareness. So that's all. Enjoy your day.